Life's complicated and overwhelming enough, especially for those of us in mission-driven work. Let's make your journey to health as simple and sustainable as possible. I'm Lisa Baker, and I want to welcome you to the Simply Health Coaching Podcast, where it's the food, and it's more than the food. On the podcast, we'll talk about the food you put in your mouth and everything else that nourishes you or doesn't. My vision is a world in which you can be well while doing good, and my mission is to give you the simple tools and practices to get there. Let's get started. I've titled this episode, It's the Food, and that comes from the tagline for my business, which says, it's the food, and it's more than the food. You can go back and listen to episode 10 of this first season and learn what I mean when I'm talking about primary and secondary foods. In this episode, we're going to be talking about secondary foods and more specifically about how we can make sure that we're cooking from scratch at home on a regular basis, especially now that most of us are in some sort of shelter-in-place situation during the pandemic. Why bother cooking from scratch at home? when food is all around us and it's really cheap? Well, we're going to dig into that question a bit more in a future episode, but for now, consider these data. In 1900, 2% of meals were eaten outside the home, and in 2010, 50% were eaten away from home. In 2010, more meals were eaten in the minivan than the kitchen, and one in five breakfasts came from McDonald's. In his book, Cooked, Michael Pollan writes that when we cook, the average American spends 27 minutes making dinner, far less time than it takes to watch an episode of Iron Chef. America has become a nation of people who love to watch cooking as a spectator sport, but don't engage in it regularly themselves. According to Sophie Egan in her book, Devoured, March 2015 was a watershed moment in the eating lives of Americans. For the first time since the government began tracking our spending habits around food, which was 1970, we spent more money on food prepared outside the home, so restaurants, takeout, etc., than on groceries that we cooked at home. Food prepared away from home, including processed and prepared ingredients that you cook with, is higher in saturated fat, sodium, and cholesterol, and lower in dietary fiber than food prepared from scratch. Americans increased their away-from-home share of calories from 18% to 32% in three decades. Calorie intake rose over the last three decades from 1,875 calories per person per day to 2,002 calories per person per day. That's 127 calories extra per day, so that's like one snack pack, (laughs) or about one pound per month if we consider that one pound contains about 3,500 calories. Now let's look at some stats from the CDC. I think you really can't dispute that the rise in obesity and related health issues is traceable to our eating habits. More than one-third, so 42.4% of U.S. adults have obesity, and that's up from 30.5% 20 years ago. 
Obesity-related conditions include heart disease, stroke, type 2 diabetes, and certain types of cancer. Some of the leading causes of preventable death. So can we agree that cooking healthy meals from scratch more often is a very important step towards reaching our health goals? When I was teaching cooking classes, my mission was to help clients to learn how to cook from scratch and meal plan. And now that I'm a health coach, that's still part of my practice, although because I do most and now actually, thanks to the pandemic, all of my work virtually, I need to have a resource for clients to have in their kitchen to help them. One of my friends who took a lot of my classes was constantly asking me when the cookbook was coming out, and that's how my book, Flip Your Kitchen, was born. And I'm not sure whether it was a reward or a punishment for her, but she became my co-author and single-handedly tested all 155 recipes in the book. So shout out to Inglo Ginsky. We'll talk a lot more about the book and why it's called Flip Your Kitchen in a future episode, but for now, I'll just give you a summary of part of the introduction where I talk about meal planning. And if you're interested in reading the entire introduction, you can get a free download of that in the show notes. The principles behind the Flip Your Kitchen meal planning system are four, and they are, number one, create a whole foods kitchen. Not from Whole Foods necessarily, but with foods that are as close to nature as possible. Two, learn a few basic recipes and techniques. Three, plan your week. And four, always cook for more than one meal. And we'll talk a little bit about what that means. We'll go back to some of the earlier principles uh, in future episodes. And because so many of us who aren't used to cooking at home very often feel like the pandemic has us chained to the stove, what I want to talk about today is how to meal plan and cook for more than just one meal. I call this section of the Flip Your Kitchen system meal planning made simple because I'm trying to eliminate the overwhelm a lot of us feel when we're faced with the idea of cooking from scratch night after night. And the problem, I think, is that if we don't know how to plan very well, we find a recipe, buy the ingredients, make the meal, and then rinse and repeat nightly. And of course that's exhausting, particularly now that you're also acting as teacher, hall monitor, school nurse, athletic director, There are lots of meal planning apps and kits out there, and I do think that they can be a great crutch as you transition to cooking from scratch more. However, they're spendy, and they will also leave you perpetually relying on someone telling you what to make. So my mission is to empower you to do this for yourself and save you some money in the process. There are four concepts that I teach in meal planning, and they are basically skills that you can hone and use to create your own meal plans and save yourself time in the kitchen. They're really a form of time management for your cooking practice. As with anything, commit to mastering just one step, and then add another and another. In the meantime, be gentle with yourself. Get takeout or get that frozen pizza, and commit to cooking one more night week than you used to. There's no need to try to take on this entire system all at once. (music) 
The first concept is pre-prepping, and that basically means that you're going to prepare your ingredients without actually starting to cook. This is best done if you can set aside 30 or 60 minutes a week. And if you're feeling like that's too much to ask, think about those small pockets of 10 or 15 minutes where you end up scrolling through your phone or looking at your Instagram feed. Um, that's time that you could spend actually preparing some ingredients. And so the few things that you can do to pre-prep are the following. You can wash and dry any dark leafy green vegetables. If you have a salad spinner, that's the best way to dry them. Uh, store them after they're washed and dried in the refrigerator with a dry paper towel in the plastic bag or container where you have them. Sturdier vegetables can be washed and chopped ahead of time and stored in a container with a damp paper towel on top of them. The other thing you can do is combine any ingredients that you add to the recipe all at once. And so that includes things like uh, a list of spices. If a recipe has a lot of spices, but you add them to the pot all at once, go ahead and mix those spices up and keep them in a container at room temperature. The other thing you can do is think about uh, vegetables that go into a dish all at the same time. So if you're starting something that calls for carrots, onions, and celery all chopped up and it goes in the pot at the same time, wash and chop those vegetables and then combine them in a container in the refrigerator before you use them in the recipe. The second concept is what I call batch cooking, building blocks, and basics. And this doesn't mean that you're going to cook a pot of chili and eat it all week because we know how that story goes. You think, oh, I'm going to cook chili and we'll eat it all week. And by day two, you're thinking, yeah, not so much, not feeling the love. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm trying to get you to do is to think about what portions of the recipe are things that you can cook ahead of time in larger batches. So for example, they could be something like cooked grains or cooked beans, even cooked vegetables. They are also things like cooked sauces. And what I'd like you to do is to think about cooking multiple batches of these and letting them simmer while you do your pre-prep. So you're multitasking in a very intentional fashion. You start a batch of something like marinara sauce, and while that cooks, you don't have to do anything. You don't even have to stir it. So you can spend that time doing your pre-prep. The third concept is creating intentional leftovers, which is also called planovers. <laughs> uh, that's sort of like creating building blocks and basics on the fly. And what I mean by that is if you're cooking dinner, it's a really great practice to get into to think about if I made extra of this, what could I do with it later? So my favorite example is if you're making a very sort of standard American meal where you're roasting a chicken, cooking some brown rice, and uh, cooking some broccoli. Your oven is pretty big, and you're just going to be roasting one chicken in it. Why not roast two? Because that way, later in the week, you have some cooked chicken that you can put in sauce, you can put in tacos on top of nachos, you can put them in a casserole. Uh, the other thing is if you cook more brown rice than you need, that brown rice can become a hot cereal the next morning. It could go in a salad. It could go in a soup. It could go in a casserole. 
If you cook more broccoli than you need, what can you do with the leftover broccoli? Well, you could put it in a salad, you could toss it with pasta, you could put it in a casserole, you could put it in soup. So if you think about that, you've made one meal and you've made two or three times what you need of each component. The next night, you could just add a white sauce and make a casserole. So when you think about a casserole, it's really just a whole bunch of ingredients sort of stuck together with glue um, and with something crunchy on top. So you already have cooked chicken, cooked broccoli, cooked rice. And if you've gotten in the habit of batch cooking, building blocks and basics, then you probably have some white sauce on hand too. So that's what I mean by plan overs. You're not going to serve the identical meal the next day, but pieces of what you made can go into another dish. And finally, friend your freezer. If you don't know what freezes well and what doesn't, take a walk down the frozen aisle in the grocery store, but not the heart of darkness section where all the frozen processed food is. Take a look at what whole ingredients are frozen. Trader Joe's does an especially good job of this. They have things like frozen cooked brown rice, frozen vegetables. So think about what are the most whole ingredients that you can find in the frozen section and realize that you can replicate that at home. So in our previous example, you can roast a chicken, cut the meat up, and freeze it for using later. You can cook some extra rice and freeze some for later. You can cook broccoli and freeze some for later. So get in the habit of thinking what can be frozen and also definitely get in the habit of defrosting what you need for the next day by putting it in the fridge the night before. When you master these four concepts, you will know how to always cook for more than one meal, and your cooking practice will be much more pleasant and take up a lot less of your time. As a quick review, the four concepts, the four skills that I teach people in meal planning are the following. Number one, pre-prep. Number two, batch cook some building blocks and basics. Number three, create intentional leftovers, and number four, friend your freezer. That's a pretty quick introduction, and because it's a podcast, it's a little bit hard to wrap your mind around that. <laughs> but if you want to know more, follow the link in the show notes and sign up for a series of emails that goes into more detail about each step and will provide you with the recipes that you can practice them with. If you want to dive in much deeper, you can check out the online meal planning made simple course that I offer, and you'll end that course by getting a download of a workbook that goes along with the cookbook. So I hope that's helpful. I hope you get some, some assistance with your cooking practice, especially now during the pandemic when most of us are finding we need to cook at home a lot more than we're used to, and it's causing quite a bit of stress. Thanks for listening. Let me know your thoughts about the episode and share your biggest takeaways and aha moments. You can send me a voice message directly through Anchor, as well as some of the other listening platforms. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast in your listening app so you never miss an episode. Love the podcast? You can support it with a donation directly from the podcast homepage in most listening apps. If you'd like to know more about my work, visit my website at simplyhealthcoaching.com. 